0: Good morning, church. Um, Pastor Greg sends his greetings. I left him this morning feeling really sad because he misses all of you. If you've seen his uh, Facebook posts, he is experiencing a lot of back pain, and we're still waiting for the specialist to figure out what's wrong with his back. He's doing much better than earlier in this week. So thank you for your prayers. We know that they are effective, because he's feeling much better. If you come to the pool party, he will sit out there and watch everybody, okay? But he sends his greetings. So we are on our third week of this series, Stories. Everybody has one. And today we're gonna explore how the Apostle Paul tells his story of social and religious success in order to highlight the truth of the Gospel. And the Gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ saving us. Um, it's, we're going to look at a passage in Philippians, and it's going to be about the people in Philippi. Philippi was a colony in the Roman province of Macedonia, which is today uh, Greece, a northern part of Greece. Uh, This was a church that Paul and Silas, along with Timothy and Luke, they planted this church there when they came to this town and they met a lady named Lydia and her household, and they were worshiping God by the side of a river. Um, They didn't have a synagogue in that city because there weren't enough Jews to actually start a synagogue. So we know that the believers in Philippi were mainly Gentile or non-Jewish believers and that's actually gonna be one of the topics that Paul addresses in this letter that he sends to the Philippians. And he's going to warn them against false teaching that was going around the, the churches. And this false teaching was beginning to question the very basis of salvation. And this false teaching was raising the question of, what should Christians put their confidence in? So, at the end of the day, what do you trust to give you life today, and eternal life when you die? What do you put your confidence in? And before we jump into the passage in Philippians, I would like to invite Lonnie to come up and share her story.
1: Hi, my name is Lani, and this is my story. Um, so I, before truly living my life for and with Jesus, the only religion I was familiar with was Buddhism. Growing up, my parents, who are Hmong and Mian, taught me the importance of loving others. As I grew up, I started to develop a picture of what a successful life would look like. It was accomplishing my dreams and what my parents desired for me which was going to college, having a high paying job, getting married, buying a house in the suburbs, and having children. To make this happen, I made every effort to have really good grades, um, be liked by everyone, and be involved in everything so that my resume would be stacked. I got so lost in this pursuit of a successful life that I began to believe that I was not enough. Then at the beginning of my freshman year in high school, I got an invite from Zong, one of the very few other Hmong people uh, from in my high school, because I was from Nebraska. Um, she invited me to have lunch with her. So at our first lunch together, she handed me a CD, the days where we burned CDs, <laughs> and the CDs, the CDs were full of worship songs. So we continually have lunch together, and she was asking me, what I got from the CDs. After listening to them, I shared that it was the first time I ever heard anything about a personal relationship with Jesus. The message of a future conflicted with this idea that I had of what a successful life looked like. I had so many questions for her. Could I really have a source of hope in the midst of all my friendship problems, my heartbreaks, my family issues? Is there really anything more To life than what's here on earth, and heaven. Like that was the first time I ever heard about heaven. And what is that? So Zom's willingness to walk with me led me to join life group or youth group, uh, church summer camps, and then a decision to accept Jesus into my life as my personal Lord and Savior at the age of 16. But even though I was baptized, I was still doing everything I wanted to move toward my childhood dream of a successful life. I was crowned prom queen. I got scholarships to the University of my choice. I even got into a sorority that I really wanted to. I thought I had everything until one night in the middle of my first semester in college. I felt this deep emptiness. This feeling of still not being enough. I'm prepared, I have tissue in my pocket. <laughs> I had a feeling. and that's when I decided I was done pretending up to this point I had a lot of roommate issues the lowest GPA my entire life attended a lot of parties and I even took out extra student loans to pay for the sorority fees just to fit in with my sisters, um, who all came from wealthy families, except for me. But remember Zong, my friend? It felt like every week when I was in college, she sent me encouraging cards and CDs filled with messages of hope. I never responded to her until that night, that night where I felt so empty. I felt the Holy Spirit leading me to stay in my room instead of going out to a party. It was the first time in a while where I finally had a moment of silence, and this barrier to make a life change finally broke. I felt the spirit speak to me. Lonnie, there is more. You are enough. I called Zong and cried. I told everything and apologized at the end of our conversation. I never sensed judgment or disappointment in She saw me for me and continued to pour out God's love to me. I decided I didn't want this future I had set for myself anymore. For once in my life, I had to stand up and declare that I wanted to live a different life, and that was scary for me because I wanted everyone to like me. I lost a lot of friends. I had to let go of the control I had over my life. I had to surround myself with community that helped me to grow, to help me to allow God to speak truth into my life and for him to love me just as he created me to be. Now that I follow Jesus, I still fight this battle of inadequacy and discontentment, but I know the Holy Spirit fights for me and that God promises me a future that looks very different than what I had in mind. I have no idea what tomorrow or five years from now looks like, but I know it's not based on what I have done what I will do, what I can do, because the truth is, I'm loved today. I'm reminded every day that because of Jesus, I'm enough. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Lonnie. So today's passage, we're gonna look in Philippians three, verses one through 11. Um, Philippians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of the young believers there while he is in prison. And he's either in prison in Ephesus or in Rome, we're not sure which, uh, but he is writing while he's in prison. And he is writing for several reasons, but the passage we're gonna look at today, he is giving a warning to the believers to encourage them to hang on to their faith and for them to be loyal to what they have been taught about Jesus. So what was happening was that some people were going around the churches telling them that if you're not Jewish, in order to be saved, you have to follow the Mosaic law. And basically, if you're a male, you have to get circumcised. And they actually said that you had to be circumcised to be saved. I don't know what they thought the women needed to do, but at least for the men, circumcision was part of it. And then you had to keep the Mosaic law. Uh, These these group of people were were Christians, but they were a sect of the Christians that we called the Judaizers, because they thought non-Jews needed to act and be like Jews to be saved. So let's look at what Paul says. If you have your Bibles, take them out. If you have your apps, you can open them, or you can follow along in the slides. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. So Paul harshly denounced the Judaizers. And here he uses three terms that in the original Greek all started with the same letter so that they would be emphatic and they would be easy for uh, the church members to remember these these terms. First he called these Judaizers dogs. Okay, it's not yo dog, but it's dogs, okay? (laughs) which was a very pejorative term that Jews used to talk about Gentiles. But notice how he reversed it and said these Jewish people who said Gentiles needed to be like them were actually the dogs. And then he calls them evildoers. He accused them of doing evil rather than what they thought they were doing, which was doing good because they believed that if you could keep the law, that was the way to earn God's favor. But he said what they were teaching was evil because it went against everything about the good news that Jesus Christ did it all, and we don't have to do our good works to earn favor with God. What they were teaching would actually destroy the good news. Paul then points out that instead of circumcision, these people were actually asking people to mutilate themselves, which by the way, was against the Mosaic law. You could be circumcised, but Jewish law said so that you could not um, cut yourself or mutilate your your body and then he says that they were Uh, all these things together then would mean that they are actually not in the right. So Paul goes on to say, For it is we, Paul and the believers of Philippi, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. So let's talk a little bit of what Paul was saying here. Paul is making a contrast between those who want physical circumcision and those who are spiritually circumcised where their hearts have been changed. He says that that true circumcision is the one in which a person's heart is changed, whether he or she is a Jew or a Gentile. And the way we know that is because they, these, those with the circumcision of the heart, they serve God or they minister by the leading and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, rather than by their own human power. Also, people who have circumcision of the heart They boast about Jesus Christ. In other words, they put their full trust and confidence in Jesus, which results in the third thing where they're not relying on the flesh. They're not relying on physical signs such as circumcision or relying on human effort. So to put confidence in here is the sense in which you are Fully persuaded and convinced. You know without a doubt and you believe fully in something so that you can trust it and that you rely on it. That's what it means to have confidence in something. The Greek word here for flesh is used 147 times in the New Testament. It is actually something that Paul talks about quite a bit. Uh, The word flesh actually has a a full range of meanings. Uh, But in this context, Paul uses the word flesh to highlight the physical sign of circumcision in the body. And then we're going to see in the next couple verses that Paul uses it to stand for our human effort and human achievement. Now at this point in the letter to Paul that Paul wrote, Paul is reminded of his own story. He's reminded of his past when he once relied on the flesh. He's gonna tell us what it looked like. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Okay, so just in case someone was to argue with Paul that hey, you don't rely on the flesh because in the flesh you have nothing to even boast about or to have confidence in. So Paul is going to show people, okay, let me, let me tell you how much I have in the, in the flesh. In essence, Paul is taking on the Judaizers head on, uh, and he is playing their game on their turf. He's gonna demonstrate that by their standards, Paul would be the winner he would be the one to have reason to rely on the flesh. And if he were going to boast, if anybody was going to boast about how great it is to be in the flesh, how many accomplishments they had done, Paul is going to to win. So here's what he tells us. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Paul is basically saying, let me open up my portfolio and show you my social credentials. Let me tell you about my status by birth. It is impressive. He was, they're asking grown adults who convert to Christianity to be circumcised. Well, Paul was circumcised on the eighth day because he was born into a Jewish home where you circumcise the boys on the eighth day. He tells us he was born a Jew. He was born an Israelite. He was born to a favored and revered tribe of Israel the tribe of Benjamin, from whom Saul, the first king of Israel, uh, came from this tribe. He was a true Hebrew in education and in language proficiency. During this time when the Jews were spread out across the Roman Empire, many people had lost the ability to speak in their native tongue. But Paul was like no I was trained in Jerusalem and I know the Hebrew language I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews which is a term that Jews use for themselves now let's talk about his religious credentials and his religious activities Paul said that he belonged to the most strict and law-abiding religious sect which are the Pharisees in fact he descended from a long line of Pharisees. And Paul reminds himself and the people that before he met Jesus in a vision and before he believed in Jesus, Paul had been so fervent about protecting and upholding the Jewish faith that he had sought. He had sought to find early Christians to arrest them and to have them killed. And then finally, he says, if we're going to talk about people who keep the law and who don't break the rules, then you can't find fault with my record. I have a spotless record of keeping the law, at least the letter of the law. So yeah, if anyone could boast about having confidence in human status, and human achievement, it would be Paul. And he knows this. He knows exactly what the Judaizers are saying because he used to be one of them. He used to think like they did. He used to be a prideful man who believed that his good works could earn favor with God. See, what we need to realize is that Your story reveals what you put your confidence in. Your story reveals what you put your confidence in. Do you think, I was this, I did that, I had these things, I did it myself, my way? That will tell you where your confidence is. Now if Paul's story had ended there, he too would have argued that the Gentiles should be circumcised and that they should keep the Mosaic law and that his confidence would be in the flesh. But Paul's story didn't end there, it continues. And he now uses an accounting metaphor uh, to look at his ledger of profits and losses. And here's what he tells us but whatever were gains to me I now consider loss for the sake of Christ what is more I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things so Paul says that portfolio that I was showing you that looked amazing and it looked like I had it all, I need to transfer all that profit and gain and put it on the other side of the ledger. Those are actually worthless. They're actually loss. Why? Because there is something even surpassing it in value and worth. Those social status and human achievements that once marked Paul as a man who had so much to rely on in the flesh, he counts as worthless. And we're gonna see that it's worse than worthless. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul is basically saying, not only were those things that I thought were profitable, were advantageous, and were gain, not only are they worthless, but they're actually garbage. This word garbage here um, actually meant the, the refuse, the stuff that you throw out into the streets that the dogs could eat, but it could also mean the leftovers of your body, which in the, the King James Version, uh, it's translated as dumb, because you throw that away, it's, it's refuse. He's saying that it is worse than worthless. So he's saying, okay, you Judaizers, you are asking the Gentiles, these non-Jews, to do something that is worthless, that is only worthy of being thrown to the dogs. So there's that picture again, that only dogs would use this and eat this. But why why would he say it's garbage? All that social and religious clout and status that he had. Why is it garbage to be thrown away? Paul says, if you hang on to that, if you keep what you think is profitable in the flesh, If you rely on it, then you're not going to gain Jesus. You cannot have confidence in the flesh. You can't rely on your own achievements and have confidence in Jesus Christ. If you rely on the flesh and believe that your righteousness, righteousness means having a right relationship with God, If you believe that your righteousness comes from what you do and your ability to keep the laws, then you will not rely on Jesus Christ. In fact, you don't need him. and You will not believe that true righteousness comes from Jesus dying on the cross for you. Because remember, your story reveals what you put your confidence in. If your story reveals striving for yourself, if your story shows that you're trying really hard to do all the right things, but you're always wondering if it's enough, if your story shows that you just buck up and say, I can do this, I'm going to win favor with God. And that's, where your confidence is. Paul makes it very clear that having a right relationship with God is all about knowing, and here knowing is an intimate, experiential knowing of Jesus. In fact, in his relatively short letter to the Philippians, Paul uses Jesus Christ's name almost 40 times He just wants to drill in the fact that it's not about me. It's not about the flesh. It's about Jesus Christ. Jesus is the center of his story. Jesus is the good news, the gospel, the good news that Jesus died for us because we could never keep the law perfectly. So Paul was able to use his own story to demonstrate the truth that his relationship with God is based on what Jesus did. And he could, through his own story, refute the heresy or the false teaching that circumcision and keeping the law were the profitable things that saved people. In Paul's own life, his relationship with God. Jesus proved otherwise. It proved that his relationship with God was not based on his own works. Because you see, the truth in your story refutes the lies in false teaching. The truth in your story refutes the lies in false teaching. You and I are bombarded every day by lies, especially lies that tell us what we need to be, what we need to do, what we need to have. And if the truth of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection to save you and me is not part of your story, then you will easily believe the lies that tell you to put your confidence and to put your trust in things such as money, status, power, church attendance, being a good Christian, or knowing your theology. These are things that you could be tempted to put your trust in. Most of all, our day and age, the biggest lie is that you can have confidence in yourself. That you, you are the one who is going to save yourself. And if your story does not have the truth of Jesus Christ in it, you will not be able to refute these lies. At this time, I'd like to invite Rhea to come forward and share her story and then I will come up and, and finish our, our sermon.
2: Hi, church. Um, a couple of verses I'd like to share with you all, a personal story, my story. Um, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, Psalm thirty four eighteen. I felt my baby kicking as I was sitting on the cold bathroom floor. Through a thick fog of smoke. I saw a disfigured face looking back at me from the doorknob. Sitting there, I hated her. Sitting there, I hated myself. I couldn't stand myself because I knew I was going to grab my pipe and continue using. To say it was the darkest time in my life, when putting it lightly, there is no word worthy of describing the place of darkness and emptiness that I put myself in. The memory of not knowing I was going to live another day without the drug was terrifying. My addiction had complete control over me. And that right there is the power of addiction.
1: My name is Rhea,
2: and I'm a recovering addict. My drug of choice, crystal meth. March 28th, 2016, my sobriety date. The life I was living with my partner was filled with addictive and destructive behavior. It was damaging our children. In February 2016, Child Protection intervened in our home. They took all six of our kids, placed them in foster care with my sister, and left us to deal with ourselves. About a month later, once I realized that my partner was not ready for recovery, I had to make the effort to continue for it on my own. The very thought of walking a journey of recovery alone scared me down to my very core. To be so sure of the correct path that I needed to take to get my kids back, yet so unsure of how I was going to get there left me lost and broken. It was only then did I realize that I couldn't do it alone. I needed more than just myself, my own abilities. I needed God. When God picked me up at my broken, most broken state, he didn't expect me to be perfect from then on out. He picked me up on my cold bathroom floor. <clears throat> he waited patiently for me, repeatedly, over and over and over again, while I made my bad choices. It wasn't until Monday, March 28th of 2016, that I finally saw a glimpse of his greatness. The typical six to eight week process of getting a bed and inpatient care happened in one afternoon for me. Growing up in a shaman household and only ever heard of his mercy and love, it was unbelievable to see, let alone see it be for me. But after much reflection, it wasn't that I finally revealed, he finally revealed himself to me. It was that I was finally listening and trusting in him. Yet I am not alone for my father is with me. John 1632. Today I can now see that because I believed that God knew what was in my heart, it was what gave me courage to get through that time. He knew that I loved my children and I wanted to change, but couldn't do anything for me until I was able to and willing to fully trust in him. When my addiction proved to everybody I was a lost cause, the comfort of knowing that he knew who I was pulled me past the darkest of days. Through his guidance and now with my willingness to listen, I am being molded into the woman he made me to be. To remember that I was gracefully broken simply humbles me. I now know that I have strength because it is in his strength I lean to. When I feel that I'm not able to overcome my troubles, which we all have a lot of troubles, right? No matter what comes my way or how defeated I feel, there's freedom and comfort in his grace. And after that sermon my confidence is now in the lord and my confidence now lies in jesus christ thank you
0: thank you ria so what about you at the end of the day what do you trust to give you life What do you put your confidence in? If you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ to give you a new life with God and to have loving relationships with people around you, but today you want to change your story, you want to put your faith in Jesus Christ, then I invite you to say this prayer. I'm going to pray it, and you can say it And if you are saying this for the first time, I would love to pray with you. Our prayer team would love to pray with you afterwards. You can simply say this. Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God who died for me so that I can have a relationship with God now and live with him forever. Thank you for forgiving all the things that I have done that were not what God wanted. I put my confidence in you and I give my life to you. I pray in your name, amen,
1: so let it be.